Welcome to the Infinite Love Podcast, a place where we talk about the power of love and its creative expression in our lives. We talk about all things related to growth, positivity, and kindness. And I am your host, Corinne Kamara. Hello and welcome to episode 58, Falling in Love with Your Self-Care. Ashley is a self-care coach, yoga teacher, astrologer, and host of the Yoga Magic Podcast. For nine years, she has studied yoga, meditation, astrology, and mindfulness practices that prioritize self-care and self-discovery. After having her two girls, Ashley discovered the hard way that taking care of yourself first is the only way to take care of others. Today, she supports her students and clients in leveling up their everyday routines into magical self-care rituals. In today's episode, we talk about how self-care is an important pillar to self-love. Ashley and I talk about how you merge astrology and mindfulness to learn more about yourself. So let's get into today's episode. Hi, welcome to the Infinite Love Podcast. Today we have a wonderful guest, Ashley. Welcome to the podcast. Hello, I'm so excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so we talk about love. And so our first question for you is, what is your love story? When did you fall in love with yourself and who you are and all the magic that you bring into the world? Mm. Love, love, love. I, we were just chatting before we started this talking cancer sun. I'm a cancer sun and that's very like cancer is just kind of like a big cloudy love situation. <laughs> that's totally <laughs> me. So it's funny. I have, um, a lot of points in my life where I learned to just like understand love, um, that self love piece. And the first time that I really experienced this, this feeling of, of, real recognition and love and who I am was in a yoga class. And that makes sense. Cause I'm a yoga teacher. Um, when I was, you know, in university and coming out of school, kind of navigating what the next steps were in life, I felt so, I mean, conditioned in like, okay, now we go to grad school and then I find a husband and then I get a house in the suburbs and then we have kids. It's just was like, this was all laid out for me in a way that made me feel pretty panicked. Like, I don't, I don't really know that this is what I want. I don't, that's intense. Do we have to do all those things? So I'm lying in a yoga class and hilariously, the first yoga class that I took was an all Britney Spears yoga sculpt class. (laughs) It's like so funny, so fun. It was like, what is this? And I'm lying in Shavasana thinking like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. I want to do more of this. And I started to realize like what I really liked about who I was in that weird moment of rest later down the yoga path. I realized like maybe find like more traditional yoga practices (laughs) and like, (laughs) but it was just this like fun first experience. And as I went further down that path of just practicing the asana, the physical practices within yoga, I discovered so much more to the practice. Obviously there's the eight limbs and and the self-study piece is what really stuck with me. So I started to study who I was and what I wanted to do in my life versus what I thought I was supposed to do or what everyone else told me I was supposed to do. And I just started to really love who I was and what I wanted. And it led me down a path of doing teacher training, um, deciding that I 
in fact, did want kids. And I wanted a life that would work with children. That was something that was like very new. Um, and eventually like made my way into astrology and now the work that I do, uh, I host a podcast and all these things, but it was so crazily enough, that first yoga experience where I learned to really like love who I was and, and not feel any judgment or shame about what I wanted. Yeah. I love that. I think, I mean, I started doing yoga when I was 20 and I was always, I was a dancer, so I had body awareness, but there's something about breathing and being in different postures that are sometimes uncomfortable, but just stretching your body in certain ways that you start to appreciate your body. And I definitely had a, a, I fell in love with yoga, but also because of how it made me feel. So I think it's a really good way for people to tap into their body, using their body with breath and all the other aspects of yoga. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it, we come to yoga because we think many of us are like, oh, it's a workout. And I, that was me. I mean, hence the like funny fitness class, but there's so many more layers to it. And I think that's what's so, so much more why people really keep coming back is that, yeah, it's, oh, it's breath. Well, breath works powerful. Like, oh, it's, it's going inward. It's connection to our own bodies, but also to other people, to like right. the world around us. So there's, it's so layered. And, you know, I, I really honor the, the full practice as it is now that I've been teaching for 10 years. <laughs> wow. So over COVID, um, have you been, were you doing zoom and one-to-ones? I mean, I did some of that. It's not my favorite. Um, I was definitely doing it. I do a lot of one-to-one -one work in coaching and astrology and self-care. And so that was really like filling that cup. Um, but I do teach in a variety of different ways. So I do some Zoom classes still um, and then teach in studios. But COVID was, I just was figuring out like, okay, now what? Like, what's the next path? And right before COVID is when I started my podcast. So I really leaned into the show at that time, as I'm sure you probably did. When did you yeah. start your show about that same time? I started my show because of COVID. Actually. Yeah. So yeah. It started October of um, 2020. And like, didn't you find that to be the most amazing time where I, I'm like, I get to talk to cool people like you while I'm stuck in my house. Like this is, yeah. so awesome, you know? Yeah. 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 I feel like for me, part of the reason why I started the podcast during COVID was really like, there's so much pain and fear in the world. Like I wanted to create something opposite. Like I wanted to talk about love. I wanted to talk about hope. I wanted to talk about transformation. And I wanted to talk to people that were doing that in their life day to day. And they were also being of service. Like, so for me, it's how can we be of service? And there's so many ways to be of service. And I wanted to showcase that through the people I communicate with because I don't think, I think you're the second person that did, does yoga, but your yoga is completely different than my other guests that talked about pelvic health and all of that. So for me, I just want to talk to as many people as possible to just showcase how there's so much love in the world. Absolutely. That's beautiful. Thank you. Yeah. And okay. So I want to talk about your self care coaching, like how help people care about themselves more. I love that you speak to the being of service and, and it's funny because I think so many of us think that self-care is something that is bubble baths and getting your nails done or whatever, that it's very, I mean, quote, I mean, it's selfish. That's what we think of when we think of it in like a really superficial way. How I think of self-care is kind of what you were just said is that when you connect to that deeper love of yourself, when you connect to what you really need and you honor that you have needs 
you can fill up that cup. You can satisfy and you can, you can get those things that you need so that you can be of service to others. That's, I mean, that's the whole point. I have two little kids and I know, and I learned the hard way that when I invest in myself, I can be the best mom to them. I can provide them with the energy and the love that I want to give to them. And when I ignore my needs or I push them off or I put everyone else's in front of mine, which is what we're conditioned to do as women, mm-hmm. I can't, I can't give them what they need. And so this is like a, I know this sounds so simple, but it's, it's, it's not many of us really struggle with this because we're told serve others all the time, like put everyone above yourself. And it just, it's basically stifling our power as women. And I think that what we need to do is really go inward and look at what we need first. It doesn't have to be big. Sometimes it's like, Hey, go to the bathroom when you have to go to the bathroom. Like it's okay. You know, stuff like this. It's so silly or like eat a meal, sit down and eat a meal or pray before your meal or whatever it is. I am somewhat unique in how I use self-care is that I like to use the astrological birth chart to get really specific in how, how to personalize your practices, because we all know there's a million and one things that you can do to take care of yourself. And so looking at your birth chart is how I can get, basically get to know my clients without really knowing them and saying like, here's where you're going to start. We're going to go here for your sun sign here for your moon. We're going to motivate in this way with your Mars. And it gets to be just really personalized and fun. Interesting. I never considered my astrology as a way of self-care. Because we all kind of know the basics. Okay, you're this, you're that, you're this. But then how does that correlate to self-care? Like, for instance, like, you know, you mentioned that you're a Cancer sun and I'm a Capricorn sun. So you would then base my self-care based on my sun sign or all the other signs? Yeah, well, let's use your chart since we I sort of know it now. So what there's three placements that I look to to start. And definitely the full astrological chart is a great way to understand someone all together. But for the purposes of self-care, I look at three placements. I look at the sun. That's your essence, your identity. It's who you are. There's going to be a flavor of your sun in basically everything that you do. And while it's a very, very large part of your chart, it's not everything. So it's just, it's part of it. Big part your moon sign, which is your emotional well-being. So I look to that moon sign for your self-discovery practices. You're more introspective, more like nurturing. This is where you feel safe. So we look to that for the moon practice and then Mars for motivation, because Mars is the planet of fire and action and triggers. So when do you need to self-care? How do you motivate, motivate yourself to do so? And then we put that all together and say, okay, let's try these practices and, and see how it goes, right? We can, these are fluid. These things can change, but at least it cuts down some of the the noise and the clutter to get more specific to you. Okay. To use your chart and talk about yours. Yeah, I mean, I'm, try- I'm trying to remember what my Mars is. Mars, I think, is in Aquarius. Mm, okay. Oh, wait, no, is that my Mercury? Well, we can work with your, your sun and your moon for sure. So your okay. sun being in Capricorn, when I look to a sun sign for inspiration, it's going to be more of that physical practices, more of like self-care basics, if you will. Okay. The things like getting out and moving your body. So Capricorn is an earth sign. Capricorn is the most doer energy of the Zodiac. So you probably have no issues with like doing well and being successful and like getting out there and just, and working really hard. Like you are a doer. 
and it's nice, especially if you have friends that are more like in their, in their air signs space, like a Gemini, um, where they're like, they're coming up with ideas. They're going to give you those ideas. And you'll be like, yeah, let's put, let's put this into action. Right. (laughs) because <laughs> I'm rising Gemini because you're rising. Yeah, that's such a good combo. So a great way to nurture um, a Capricorn sun is to take that time for for work to like be OK with work. Work can feel really good. And if you have a Capricorn moon, this is true as well. Um, a great practice for a Capricorn sun in in just kind of like a day-to-day thing that you can do is getting outside and, and spending some time in nature as an earth sign. And this is sort of a buzzy thing that everyone's talking about right now is like, get in nature, get in nature. And (laughs) yet taking time to take your shoes off, walk around on the grass. I mean, literally like this sounds weird, but like talking to trees and just like spending time in nature and literally honoring its beauty. And it's magnificent is, is hard for Capricorns. They're not always like out there and woo, if you will, but this is such a great way to connect to the earth and honor mother earth. So that's just a little, little treat for the, the Capricorns, Capricorns out there. <laughs> and then your moon, um, in Aries, this is, I'm an Aries rising. So I feel this as well. Aries is the sign of the self. It's the first sign of the Zodiac. Mm-hmm. So it's actually kind of hard to describe because it's so individualized yet Aries is really initiating. Aries likes to take action. Aries is also very go-getter energy. And in the moon, it feels safe. Um, identifying itself, you know, doing, I talk about self-study, like doing that self-study work, mm-hmm. finding out what it is that makes you, you, what makes you tick and Aries is an air sign. So often, or rather it's a fire sign. So when you feel an emotion, it can be kind of explosive for any of the fire moons out there. Like it's big, it's a big emotion. That doesn't mean that it's wrong or it's dramatic or anything like that. You, it's a matter of just recognizing that this is who you are and, and honoring that. Um, and some just simple practices for really any fire moons is um, to notice to, you know, when you have an emotion to maybe do a journaling practice and, and see, just validate that that emotion rather than thinking like, Oh, you know, I'm being over the top. No, this is who you are. This is who you are. So journaling, um, I think getting out and moving your body in order to move through any sort of emotions is a really great practice. And that kind of works with the fire sun as well. So there's this great book called burnout by Emily and Amelia Nagoski. And they talk about closing the most emotional stress cycle. And it's basically just, we can't control our stressors in life. Like I can't control that. You know, my daughter ran away from me at target the other day, but like, I can control the stress in my body. Right. And I can do that by something like movement. So if you've got a lot of fire in your chart, got Aries in there, moving your body and, and adding intention to that, I'm going to process the stress and then I'm going to move on with my day. So those are a couple for your, your sun and your moon. Do those resonate? Yeah, totally. I, I, um, I, I love the, the nature. And I mean, I'm, I love nature. I mean, I love plants and anything that grows. And that's kind of where I find a lot of peace and mm-hmm. movement. Yeah. Like everything when I feel like when I'm emotional movement is my, is my way to let it out. And I need to journal more. I mean, I always talk about journaling. It's just like, I have, I do it and then I don't. And you know, though, that's like, that's another thing about all this is there's a lot of shooting 
in all of these practices and spirituality and in self-care. And if it's not for you, then it's not for you. You know what works. And if movement, dancing, yoga, whatever it is, high intensity gets that moving through your body, then great. Maybe later in life, a journal practice might be right for you, but there's no shoulds, you know? True. It's all about like in the moment. Like, so I feel like sometimes and I think this is true for everybody. Like sometimes people want, people feel the need to do this and other times they need to do that. And I often tell that to some of my clients because I'm an empath. And so I feel like I have a lot of different things of self-care and I just rotate. Like some, Absolutely. Some it's I'll intuition. Journal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Some months I'll journal. Some months I, you know, I always pray and meditate, but that, it, that even still that goes into its own flux. Like sometimes I'll meditate for, I mean, I had a year where I meditated for 30 minutes to an hour every day. It's now amazing. it's like five, 10 minutes. Yeah, I know. I feel you. <laughs> <laughs> and like- that's, that feels good too, to just like let your practices change and flow and also know the ones that you can come back to and have that sort of in your emergency toolkit, if you will. Like I've had some really sad things happened to me this year. And I knew what I needed to go to, to feel better. It, it, yeah. I think a lot of us are feeling this. Yeah. I think that's important to have your go-to things and having all of your resources available to you and knowing that what you need. So that really indicates that you're, that you're listening to your intuition and you're following what your heart and your body is guiding you towards. And that kind of goes back to the, how, how can you fall in love with yourself? How could you really start to accept yourself and appreciate yourself and what, and give yourself what you need in terms of self-care. And so you mentioned you have kids, you have two daughters and a husband. And, you know, one of the things that people always talk about is like, how do you balance it all? Like, how do you take care of yourself and take care of your kids and feel like you're not, um, overexerting yourself and pretty much not taking care of yourself, which I feel like a lot of my clients fall into that space. Mm, Yeah. I mean, it's a dance and I think all of us experience it differently. Coming back to what I said about needs. The first step is identifying your needs, especially as a mother, right? There's you, you're literally keeping other children, other people alive. That's your job. And so, yes, their needs are wildly important, but also being disciplined enough to take a minute and ask yourself, like, what are, what are my my needs? It's not, it's not saying, you know, that others aren't important. It's just that I'd like to be a part of the equation as well. And that's hard. That's counterintuitive to what we experience as a mother. And I, there's just a simple practice that I've been working with a number of clients on. Um, So I don't know, like, if, if, if there's mothers or even like people that have dogs in the morning that like when they're up and they're like needing your attention, you, it's like, okay, I gotta go like jump out of bed and you got to deal with whatever it is. You know, my daughter Roy's got to go potty. It's 6am. I'm like, I haven't even gathered my thoughts. So taking a second, if you can, before that chaos to just assess your own needs for that day. So for me, okay, today's kind of a chaotic day. It's like back to back to back things until like 11 tonight. So I'm like, what do I need today? I need to make a big coffee in the morning. Okay. That's one, not a big deal, but like, I need that (laughs) Two, I need to take some time in between a session later to prep for tomorrow. Okay. That's, these are the two things, not a lot, but those are my needs for today. And so I, I, I recognize that. And then I also verbalize that to whoever it is that needs to know, whether it's my partner or sometimes even my kids. Like when I tell my kids, Hey, mom needs 
a break. Mom needs five minutes to go breathe in the laundry room. I'll be back for you. Like that is not something that's happening for a lot of us. And I I see this with clients all the time. It's just like, go, 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 go. And we're just literally told to ignore our own needs. So I think balance is kind of a a myth because it's, it's just like we move through cycles of life, but when we really do recognize our own needs and then we vocalize them and we honor them again, not huge, just what you need, um, that it changes the game, but it takes practice. You have to kind of, you got to work with it. Take some time. Yeah. And I feel like it's a good lesson for your daughters to see yourself. Like you have your, you, how you respect yourself, Mm -hmm. you know, saying I need time to do this. I feel like that's such a good example. Like my mom never did any self-care. It was, and then she complained about it you know, complain that her needs weren't being met and we were supposed to do something to fulfill that need. And, you know, so it was, it'd be not, it was nice. It's nice to see that as an adult, like, wow, this is what my mom went through. Had she had the wherewithal to understand her own needs, she would have been able to be the mom she wanted to be or be the mom she wanted to be. And I had to learn that for myself too. It was a really um, powerful lesson to learn that, okay, it's okay to take care of myself. And mm-hmm. so, and it makes me be able to give love to others more in a bigger way. And that's a beautiful share. And I I've had that same experience is that I don't even know if it was maybe like a generational thing. I mean, the thing about the, my mom was a mom in the eighties. So like that time was this shift in focus from where women were going, they were working full time, their kid, they were momming full time. Like if you think, I think about this as like convenience food, like that's when convenience food got to be a big thing because moms were flipping doing everything. So they, I mean, that shift was very real. And I feel for those mothers. Like I, I think about my mom a lot and I'm like, if you were born now and you can tell these things are shifting, right. we're talking about these things more. We're talking about our mental health. We're talking about how hard it is to be a parent, to be a woman. And I just, I, sometimes it's like, I'm grateful that she gave me that experience. And I also feel, feel for that generation. Yeah. I mean, the gender roles were very specific back then. Women yeah. were just like working. I mean, it was just, it was a different time. And I agree. Like if my mom, if I was born, if I was born later in life, which I'm kind of happy I wasn't because I really appreciate that I was born in the eighties, but it's still like, it would have been a different experience. Like my dad would have probably been more helpful because now men help with the child rearing and picking up the baby when it cries and all of a sudden my dad did none of that. He never picked me up once in the middle of the night when any of my my brothers and I were crying. He really stuck to his gender role. Um, and I feel like those roles are now more fluid. You know, men are so involved in their children's lives now. It's such a beautiful thing to watch. And and I love watching dads participate because I feel like, wow, even in my generation, I've seen the shift mm-hmm. on how people are mm-hmm. more involved. And it's not about you're a man, you're a woman, this is what you do. And I think that's important in terms of how we are in in society, we can start to work together in a completely different way. Yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah. Um, Okay, so let's talk a little bit about the infinite love questions. Let's like it. So how do you express love in your work? I this is something I'm working on all the time, but I, I listen, listening to people just share is challenge. I'm <laughs> for me, for a lot of us, as we have a lot to say, 
Um, but first and foremost with love, I listen and then teach. Okay. And so when you are, when you're in your work, cause you're a yoga teacher, you're a self, you're, you're a coach and you also are a podcast host. Mm -hmm. So when you say, listen, it's really, I mean, everything that you do is active listening. Oh yeah. I'm sure. I mean, I'm sure you feel this too. I actually really like it within a podcast container. It's kind of awesome because this is all we're doing right now is listening to each other and talking. Yeah. Right. And right. you know, there's sometimes distractions, but it, it just feels good to be like, and now we're sitting down for an hour and we're talking about this topic. <laughs> so there's like this permission to listen. Um, but active listening, I mean, weirdly, I have not always been good at this. <laughs> Yoga yeah. taught me to do that. Um, and now it's like, I'm really learning a lot about how I can help clients. If I just don't talk for a little bit. Yeah, I agree. I think uh, learning how to listen is a very important skill that I'm always learning how to be better at. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And for me, I've learned active listening for me is be about being present because yeah. sometimes, you know, you could be listening, but then your mind is like racing, thinking about something else. And you're only picking up part of the conversation. But I've learned that if I can stay in my heart, then I could listen more. But it's been a, like you said, it's, it's a lot. It's practice. You got to practice. And the second question is, where has forgiveness brought more love into your life? Forgiveness. Also a lesson, still learning, aren't we? <laughs> <laughs> you know, when I got further down the path of self-study and really started to do some work in meditation where I'm accessing specific memories, childhood memories, things that were tough, I... I often want to place blame on people, specifically my parents for things that just are part of life. And yes, parents, like I kind of believe that the role of parents is to F up their kids just a little. I mean, literally that's just like, we can't fix it. We are what we are. We're doing the best we can. And yet in these moments, it was easy for me to say, oh, well, you did this. And the more that I went further down the path of understanding the context, understanding who I was, understanding why my parents did whatever they did. They were doing it from a place of love. I first forgave whatever that, you know, situation was. And then I learned to go back into myself and understand that this is, yes, this happened, but at the end of the day, it's how I view it. You know, it's how I can forgive them again, these are small things. These aren't even big things, but it's about how I internalize. And if I dwell on something like that, it can, it's going to harness into way more negativity. So the little things are important. And it's now when I catch myself in like a, a trigger of like, Oh, I want to be like mad at somebody, my partner, I have to catch myself and say like, okay, yeah, but what's, what am I doing here? I, I forgive you. You're like, you're just doing you unless he's doing something really annoying, but like for real, just you're doing you. What's, why am I so triggered about this? That's a little long answer to your good no, question. It's great. <laughs> no, it's great. Cause I think people, when people are mad and they get their feelings hurt, it's something that is wounded inside of them that, that needs some healing. Absolutely. Cause you're taking something that's happening personal when sometimes it's not necessarily about you. It's about 
something somebody else somebody else's experience that you're internalizing like they did something bad but did they really they were just in their own pain around something and i don't want to minimize you know real 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 trauma that people have because that is a you know that's a different journey but in these like micro traumas for me it was like okay what's the context like they're it's just thinking it through and forgiving Mm -hmm. yeah what is the most compassionate act someone has done for you these are such good questions. I love them. And I don't, I don't always like to prepare a whole lot for things because I feel like the, they channel through. I'm sure you experienced this too, like the right answers. Compassion. Okay. So when I was thinking about becoming a mother, this was like really scary for me. I just was like, I think I'm going to screw this up. I'm so scared. I'm going to fail at being a mother. And someone tapped into that, I think psychically and knew. And this person was really, really quote unquote successful in this area of work that I was in at the time was in music. And she listened to this fear of mine. And, and, and I, at the time I didn't even know she was a mother. We were just like friends at kind of at work. And I learned, she talked about all of the things that she's doing in her life and all the joy that she has and just like all the pursuits of her dreams. And then at the end of this conversation, she told me she was a mother and the way she like tapped into what I, what my fear was and helped me understand that there's so much life out there. I just felt like it kind of changed the course of my life. I was like, okay, now I'm ready to do this. I'm seeing someone showing me what's possible. I think too, what's so amazing about compassion and, and people that understand, you know, where we're at is that it's, it's kind of this like psychic exchange, you know, you talking about being an empath, you might know what someone needs perfectly in that moment without you even knowing you just, you just do it. And there's so much beauty and magic in the world when we really can listen and tap into each other's energies and, and feel so we can offer up that compassion. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I love that. That was just so beautiful. What do you love most about your life? I really, I do love my life. It's, it's really beautiful. (laughs) I love my family. I love them so much. I get like, I get, I'm like a creeper sometimes. Like I'll walk into my kids' rooms and I'll just stare at them in the middle of the night. And I know that I'm not alone. I know a lot of people do that, but I don't love them in the way that is like, like sacrificial. I love them. And I love myself. I love my life. I love traveling. I love doing yoga. I love being like reading about astrology, being a weirdo, just like everything that I am. And I, I love them as just as much. And, and I think that's something we don't always hear. <laughs> yeah, totally. How do you feel you receive love? This is sort of a funny confession, but I really do love gifts. I think like, you know, they look at the love languages book, like gifts is for sure high up on the list. I have my Venus is in Leo and Leo is pretty over the top. And so to connect to love, I love to connect through these like sort of romantic comedy ways and gifts is hilarious. But also when someone sees me for something other than what's on the outside, right? Like you see, you meet someone for the first time and you make an assumption about them. That mm, doesn't, that's hard. I think that's really hard. And, and sadly, I think that's the experience many of us have when say, you know, like picking up my kids from daycare and I meet another mom and it's like, oh, cool. 
this, you know, this like superficial exchange. So when, when we can actually spend some time and get to know someone on a way that is like through, you know, on a deeper level that, that feels like receiving love there. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And my last question is where has love created a miracle in your life? Okay. I have a short story to tell about some, some miracles. So with my daughter, Lily, I, she was born, she's five now. So again, lots of fear wrapped up in that experience of being a first time mother as many mothers experience. And her birth was just like, not as I had planned. It was pretty traumatic. Everything was fine, but it's just, it was like a lot of fear. So when I got pregnant again with my second daughter, I was like, I, I have some control in this. Let's go. You know, I know that when I take some time to do this self-care work, and this really what led me to my journey now, and I invest in myself, I can create something magical in this experience. I'm not 100% sure what that looks like, but I'm going to try. So this is when I really, really started committing to my yoga practice, committing to my meditation practice, manifestation practice. And in the mornings, every morning, my body would just like naturally wake up, but like early, it wasn't always an early rise, like 5 a.m. And I would go into her little nursery that she wasn't even in yet because she wasn't born. And I would write down what her birth would look like from what time I would go into labor, how long it would be, the outfit that I would wear, the food. I mean, literally, because I'm a specific manifester. So it was like, okay, this is going to happen. And I did it. It happened exactly as I wrote down every little detail. It was I, when it was happening, I was literally like looking at my partner like, oh my gosh, this is happening. And it was that love of myself. I'm taking this time in the morning to just sit and like sit in my feelings, sit in my meditation practice and, and create this abundance and love that I wanted to give to this experience. That was magic. And that's when it, I started to do this in a lot of areas in my work, in the podcast, yeah. in you know my family life. Um, it was the catalyst. And so my daughter's name is Aurora, which is the dawn, the awakening. She was my yeah. spiritual awakening. I love that. I love that you said that you're a specific manifester. So like in general, when you want to manifest something, you just write very specifically what you're intending and then you do it over and over again. It depends on the type of manifestation work that you're doing this. When I say specific manifester, I'm pulling that from human design. So you can look up what type of a manifester you are. Um, If you're a specific manifester, you do have more clarity into what you are working towards. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that looks like, you know, writing out the specific experience, but it also looks like writing out the steps leading up to that, right? Like, it's not just like, here's the end game. It's also like, um, here's, you know, these bench points. Whereas if you're a non-specific manifester, you would be thinking more about like the general feeling. So say I want to manifest the podcast growth as a specific manifester. I'd say this number of downloads, this number of people that I get to reach this number of guests, like these very specific things. But if you're non-specific, it would be more like, okay, I want to um, be recognized in this way. I want to be recognized as a spiritual teacher on a podcast platform. Like you can get to be more fluid. I want to feel a certain way. I'm not the best at human design. Astrology is more my my wheelhouse, but that is helpful knowing if you're specific or non-specific. But you're, so you're a manifester. I'm a generator, You're a generator. Um, okay, got but it. everyone has a, they can look to see if they're specific or non-specific in their manifestation role. Everyone has that somewhere in their human design chart, no matter what your, your type is. Oh, so you're one or the other. Really? I didn't you're know. either specific or not. It's like a little arrow. Um, 
maybe like, yeah, if you have someone on for human design, they'll be so good at talking about it. It's a little <laughs> arrow in your chart. And it's like, I can't remember if it's left or right, but um, Jenna Zoe is like this amazing human design teacher. And I always go to her when I need details on these types of things, but yeah. Yeah. I, I'll have to look that up because I have my, I'm a, I'm a manifesting generator. Are you? Yes. Yes. The, so that's, so what's really interesting about us, our two types is that we create our own energy within our body. Whereas other types like projector doesn't, it needs to use like the energy of this, of the people around them. So, you know, especially with your chart, with your like fiery Capricorn, like combo, you could just work and work and work and work and create and create and create and create. And at some point you have to, you'll have to force yourself to slow down and like take some rest. Cause you and I both could literally just like keep going forever and it'd be energizer bunnies, which I'm like, <laughs> totally am. And yeah. we know that that's not good. You don't want to do that forever. Yeah. And I have to say though, I think for me, I've always, I've always felt the opposite. Like I don't have enough energy. And I think it's because I was doing things that were not my soul's calling yes. that became draining. So it's so interesting because people always say that. And I, most of my twenties up until like late thirties, I had chronic fatigue. Like I've always been suffering. Like, why am I so tired all the time? Me meanwhile, when I was a kid, I was hyper. So mm -hmm. I was always like, I know I can generate energy, but why am I not? Am I not? So that took me down this self-love path to understand who I am and why am I not generating the energy that I know I can. But ultimately it was because I wasn't doing things that were benefiting me. And I was looking for others to fill that void in me to create that energy. So I think all of like what we're talking about is really about understanding who you are. Absolutely. Otherwise it really becomes difficult to know how to navigate this thing called life. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you nailed it. That's the, the pieces you can't keep being an energizer bunny. If you're not aligned with the work, it feels like frustration and yeah, exhaustion. Right. And also if you're somebody that doesn't generate energy, trying to work as if you can is exhausting. Like, oh my gosh, that are like mm -hmm. projectors and they're trying to live like a manifester, like a manifesting generator or a generator. I'm mm -hmm. like, you don't have the energy to, you need to like figure out how to switch it up or change it so human design has been fun i'm not too i haven't gone deep into it but i have done a little and i have friends that are totally into it so i always kind of bounce ideas back you know I, they're all such cool i mean they're like mirrors right astrology any any of these like characteristics or stare or um archetypes and human design is a very detailed and very interesting one i love it yeah it's fun Great. This was so much fun. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. How can people connect with you, find you, get on your podcast? I'm so honored. Thanks so much for sharing the space and time. You're really fun. I do a good amount of conversations, obviously, and they don't always flow. So this is nice. <laughs> uh, um, you can find me on Instagram at ashleysondergaard.yoga. The podcast is called Yoga Magic. It comes out every Thursday on which we talk about all things self-care and self-discovery. And it's just a really fun deep dive for someone who's looking for lots of new practices to, again, take care of themselves and learn who they are. And I would love to get to know some of your listeners if they want to work together. Um, I do cosmic self-care sessions. So we talk, we look at your chart, we come up with plans. I also write plans if you don't want to meet one-on-one. -on -one. So if you want to get on my email list, um, I will give you that link in the show notes and we can, we can connect. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I am sending you so much love. Thank you. Thank you.
Thank you so much for listening. Please subscribe and tune in on Tuesdays for new episodes. For more information about me, please follow me on Instagram at Corinne J. Camara and my website, CorinneCamara.com. Sending you lots of infinite love.